What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome back to another edition of Bullpen Chatter. I know it's been a while since we've been live, but, you know, we ran into some difficulties with our distributors, but nevertheless, we're back in action. And we've got a new voice this time coming to Bullpen Chatter, introducing for the first time, new co-host. He's a former Juco bandit, so you know he's immune from COVID. He's a right-handed pitcher at Tulane University. Let's welcome Aaron Ball to the show. Aaron, thanks for coming on, being a contributing host now. Yes. Living in New Orleans. New Orleans is hot. It's the only way I can put it, brother. It is hot and it's humid, but it's beautiful. Beautiful. You, you know, we love to hear it. So let's kind of run our guests. You know, they've they might have seen you on uh, uh, Noah Sharp's podcast. He's been on there a few times. He was one of the first guests Noah had. So for these guys that might not know your name, kind of run them through who you are. I'm originally from Metro Detroit area. I'm going to be a COVID sophomore here at Tulane University. I'm a right-handed pitcher. Formerly a Kankakee Community College Cavalier, and man, that's about it. Baseball's the life, and that's about it, for real. You know, I like how you uh, you said you're going to be a COVID sophomore, and I feel like that's the case with a lot of us, and I'm, I'm in that same boat. Let's kind of let's just dig into it right now. How has COVID really affected you and your career? The career part is the one thing I think about with COVID the most. It's baseball. I mean... With all the health risks that everybody's facing, it's more like, well, baseball is what I got, so I'm looking and seeing what happened. I, when I look back and reflect, I'm like, I pitched four innings right. this year. I pitched one game, and then when the draft got tanked, you know, 40 rounds, being a JUCO guy, that's a very fringy, but it's getting drafted, right? So when it got cut, you're like, all right, I'm going to school. And then when summer ball got all mixed up, I was told I'm not supposed to pitch due to the fact that I haven't thrown a baseball all quarantine just because I didn't have the accessibility to it. It was still really cold in Michigan. Um, And then looking at it like this, I said, okay, well, once we're allowed to go and start doing things, I'm going to start training really hard and trained hard. Then I came down to school and New Orleans has a bunch of different protocols, right? It's totally different than what it's like in Michigan. So I get here, Tulane lays out a bunch of rules that we have. Our facilities have a bunch of rules, and Tulane Athletics have a bunch of different rules as well. So it's been a, it's been kind of a roller coaster, but I feel like Tulane and I feel like the whole country is trying to do their best part and figure it out for everybody, and hopefully we can get you know fans in the stands in March. For sure. And then let's kind of backtrack a little bit. So, like you said, guys, he's a right-handed pitcher now at Tulane. So, have you always been that hard-throwing, 95-mile-an-hour fastball right-handed arm? Never. I uh, I was like 74 to 76 my sophomore year. Got up to like 79 my junior year. Played four innings of varsity baseball. I quit and didn't play much summer ball going into my senior year. And then I... Came back in about July, so I missed those first couple weeks. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get into college any other way. Truthfully, I was like, I'm not going to get into a good school, so 
I'm going to try and play baseball, see what happens, through like 83, and then signed to a D2, decommitted, trained, went to JUCO, was 88, then 92, and then, like you said, 195 in my career. So it's been a roller coaster, even with that, too, just trying to throw hard. So would you say, because we, we've got a similar story, and, and I know some of my listeners know this, I would, I committed Division Two in high school, I decommitted right before signing day, decided I'm going to go the JUCO route. I went to a school in Alabama called Coastal Alabama, had some stuff happen there, and like similar thing, I was, I mean, my junior and senior year, my junior year I was topping like 84, 85, and then senior year I'd, I'd been up maybe touching 88, 89 every once in a while. But overall, I just wasn't a hard-throwing guy, and I, you know, I get down to, get down to coastal, battle through some stuff. I mean, I'm still mid to upper 80s a little bit, and you know, I had some stuff happen there. I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna go to John A. Logan, which happens to me. I mean, happened to be the number one program in the country. Which, yeah. And now thinking back on it, is like, how stupid was I as a senior in high school not to not to go to a school 30 minutes away that's the, one of the best schools in the country. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was, I've was i never been a super hard-throwing guy, and I'm still not yet. I mean, I top out at 90-91, but, you know, it works. Yeah, the thing is is that you were blessed with being a left-handed pitcher. In today's age, you know, that, that means a lot, and you guys can you guys can sacrifice two to three miles an hour when we're talking about draft and Division One baseball just because there's some different, you know, people take a look, and it's just totally different, I guess. I've never hit before, so I can't tell you what it looks like. So from your experience going through, like I'd mentioned earlier, you're a JUCO guy. How do you feel that the JUCO route per se helped get you to Division One baseball? I mean, it saved my life, right? I went. I think you can attest to it, man. I was just walked in as a freshman, and my program was solid. Twenty seventeen national champs, but the pitching depth was never there. Um, we had a couple of really good pitchers, truthfully, but they I got thrown in day one, and they're like, "Hey, you're going to be." you know, one of the top guys. We want you to be one of the top guys, and that's what I had to do. So I just grinded and tried to educate myself. Like, at JUCO, you can listen to your coaches, and that'll take you, you know, as how, however far as you want it to take you. But there, if you really want to play Division One baseball out of the JUCO level, you got to learn about your body, and you got to take care of your grades. you got to do all that stuff just to ensure that you can play Division One baseball. Because you, if you learn about your body, man, like I, I did – that's when you're going to throw harder and that's when you're going to attract more schools. And I think there's still a bigger perception out there that a lot of people don't understand is that Juco baseball is legit. Considering that my two first, my first two starts of sophomore year would have been Parkland who dropped seven runs on me and John A. Logan who, who would have known what happened, but the number one team in the country that was like 20, well, you guys 23 and one, 20 and one. 20 and one yeah yeah so we were gonna I was gonna face two powerhouse junior college teams with multiple division one players I was you know it's tough man there's some teams don't get me wrong there's some junior college teams that probably wouldn't be much high school teams many high school teams but that's just how it rolls it's it's they're the top of junior college baseball can compete with a lot of division one baseball for sure and then as Aaron mentioned, we were actually supposed to play Kankakee, and we had ended up moving that game so we could try to get our conference schedule rolling. And I got back. And this was before I, I even knew who Aaron was, and we kind of got connected because we, we both know Noah Sharp, who is 
as he would say, is the unofficial voice of junior college baseball. But if you guys know anything about junior college baseball, he does more than the NJCAA ever will. Yeah, he's a Noah Sharp is the guy, man. That's I think he honestly I tell this story all the time. Our volunteer assistant last year what became good friends with Noah and Noah sent him my info and he passed it along to the head coach and the recruiting coordinator here and it was just, you know, meant to be. It was just meant to be. So that's why I thank Noah all the time and he says, You're welcome anytime I put any sort of tweet about Tulane out. Yeah, Noah's a super good guy. I mean, he's really connected within the baseball realm, and especially Juco baseball, because that's what he puts all of his time and effort in for. And it was kind of crazy with me and Aaron. We've got – we he gets – Noah connects me with Aaron, and then I start this podcast, and one of my first guests is Brian Sikowski. And Aaron knows Brian. Brian knows <laughs> Noah. I know, now I know them both, and it's like it's just full circle now that he's a, he's a co-host here on Bullpen Chatter. It's funny because I texted Noah Sharp the day you officially made a tweet. You officially tweeted that bullpen chatter is a thing. And I was like, I want to start a podcast. And then I'm, see, you start a podcast. And I go, well, there goes my backing. There goes any influence that I would have. So I said, well, I hit you up. And I think we were going to see what happened. And then it fell out. And then you took a break from it. And then now we're back, and, you know, it's we're here. It's September 2nd, and we're just going to keep this thing rolling because who knows what's going to happen with the baseball season, so we might be doing this a lot. You know, and I hope I hope we're – I mean, I feel like we're still going to definitely keep it rolling, and and I hope, I hope baseball season does take some of our time because right now our plans, we're going to go two episodes a week, but, you know, if we get that, we get that season rolling, we can do one a week, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. Currently, yeah, this whole month is going to be pretty dry for me. I know that a lot of the, a lot of college baseball programs around the country are very dry right now. And by dry, I mean very limited practice, if even any practice, very limited weight room time. So you're literally just a student right now. I am right. just a student at the current moment. Um, we're not allowed in until August 1st. So October 1st, sorry. Wow, I wish it was August 1st. But it's been a long day. But October 1st, and we're going to hit the ground running again from there. So we're going to really push this and try and get a lot of great guests. We have a lot of great guests in mind that are personal friends that play Division One baseball, you know, that we have connected with throughout the years. So it's going to be a lot of great stories behind, you know, yeah. all, every episode. For some of our listeners that aren't really – too familiar with what the NCAA rules are right now is Division One programs, and I'm sure it's very similar for some Division Two programs. Now that they're getting some of their uh, some of their abilities to do things back, but at, I know at the Division One level, we're allowed eight contact hours a week, and that's including any bullpens, any any with, stuff with the hitters. We're both pitchers, so I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. Yeah, uh, it's including our weight room time, so that's eight total contact hours a week, and you know, we got compliance that are they're checking up on everything, making sure we're following all the rules. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure as most of you guys know, the NCAA does not play around with any bullshit. That is very true. I know when we were rolling our first week um, that the weight room was just you had seven to eight 
you had seven to eight. That's all you had. If it was eight o'clock, you had to get out. But we always usually shortened it up so we'd have some window time. But we were, oh, excuse me, we'd run for a minute, we'd run for an hour, lift for an hour, and it would be perfectly blocked up to like exactly eight hours. They have, you know, it's non-contact, so our hitters would just go hit. Our pitchers would use the field. If we wanted to get some extra running in, we we could, but the weight room was like so strict that right. if you weren't allowed in unless you had your slotted time, uh, you could run on the fields that we have, like the extra turf fields or the football field, but everything, the contact hours were so specific. That so let's, kind of dive, let's kind of dive into that because we're heading that direction. So what are kind of some of the other protocols that you've, you had at Tulane right now? I know, so we're doing in-person classes right a lot of things a lot of the teachers after the first couple weeks were going all right we're going to switch this to hybrid i know i got a couple classes that are monday wednesday in person and then friday online or you have groups where you switch every other day but that's how we're doing class off campus stuff is 15 people maximum in a area together um in the dorms you are not allowed to have any outside visitors. Um, we get tested. I've been tested nine times in five weeks. Every time that, that blows my mind. That's a that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. So a lot I got tested the Monday with the COVID stick. Yeah, I got tested on Monday and yesterday, both negative, thankfully. But when you walk in to our athletic center, you are you have to fill out the sheet on Google Forms that tells, like, have you had any symptoms? Right. You get your temperature checked. And, like, say I go to the calf and I have to walk back into the same entrance, take your temperature again every every time you walk in, no matter what. Yeah, so we're, kind of, we're kind of similar to that. We've got a Google Form that we fill out every day. It goes over some of our symptom stuff. Then it's got some injury stuff, if you're feeling anything. How are you feeling the day before? And then, like you said, we've, we get our temperature checked every day before we walk into any of our facilities. But one thing that we do differently is we've got like this uh, wristband that we wear. So we're good for the, like we've checked in for the day. So any building, any athletic type building we walk in, they know we're good. But we had those before school started. So before school started, all the freshmen had these bracelets that said we were good to go in the dorms. Living off campus, it's totally different. I mean, they put, Tulane police and New Orleans police are really going around making sure everything's good. I know that there's been a couple instances of where people have been kicked out of school for breaking rules, but that's just the rules that were set and they're enforcing them pretty heavily. So they're doing, they're trying their best to keep us in school, keep baseball rolling, keep athletics in general. So let's kind of talk about, I know you guys, you'd mentioned earlier off camera today that there, you said you guys are, you guys are going to kind of shut down for the next month, kind of? It's unofficial right now, but I don't know if there's any officialness behind it. It's so up in the air that we – it's not our full team yet, but we've had some positive cases. I know that it's going to happen. It's positive cases. So positive cases, if you're traced to them, you have to shut down. Right. Um, and I feel like that's how it is with a, a lot of programs all over the country. It's Yeah, it's, it's not like it needs to be – anything blown out of proportion like you right. know if, if one kid gets it and you're traced we're quarantining and that's just right. what happened so what like what we say is just like bring it bitch like we're gonna adapt it's not gonna hurt us 
For like, sure. If we can't practice until October 1st, like those those days that we can practice, we're going to go even harder. So if we had to shut, if we have to shut down fully for a little bit to save, you know, everybody wants football to play. So football is important. So we need football to play. We need basketball to play. And then it's us. Those are the three sports that like really matter then in the funds scheme of things. And if we have to shut down to save football, if we have to shut down to just like save each other, then that's what we're going to do. And I think that's not just a, it's not just a, Tul- a Tulane thing. That's a, that's an NCAA across the board thing is us as athletes, we've really got to come together and really focus on what's important and what, like why you're at that institution to do. Obviously you're there for school, but in retrospect, you're there to play ball. And yeah. I mean, great. You always got to get good grades, man. Good grades are important. It's just, but good grades in college are just like a cattle, just like it's who you are. If you can do your work on time, it's just your character. So it's it's just a character builder. I think that's what school is. So when you get on the mound, you have that, you know, like, oh, I, I do everything right. Like, I'm on time with everything. So school helps baseball. Baseball helps school. And that I just think if we all come together, man, like, we're going to be playing in the spring. That's all I care about. So what's kind of – what's your throwing look like right now? I currently strain my UCL. So I've been in a brace. I'm not right now, but I strained it. Right after I moved down here, like the first day I was throwing, I just felt like a little jump. So I haven't been throwing much. That's why I'd ask you, like this summer I was throwing heavy. I was hybrid ABA and then BAB um, with mountain blends, pull downs, and then lifting three times a week. This summer I was going hard. And I don't yeah. know, you're at P3, weren't you? Or were you playing? Uh, so I, I, I was doing my P3 stuff. Uh, for the first part of quarantine, and then I had Forrest Herman, who is a is a pitching coach in the Reds organization, shot me a text. He's like, "Hey, do you want to come play for me this summer in a league in St. Louis called the Carshield Collegiate League?" And ended up being a really great turnout. Had a lot of really high end Division One guys in there, mixed with some really good JUCO guys, some really really good D two guys, and then icing on the cake, you get to play with twenty pro dudes who had their season shut down as well. Oh, I did not know that that's what the league was. You were playing with pro dudes. Yeah, we got, I mean, you got professional pitchers in there. You got you get guys like Jake Berger, Tate Matheny, both former Missouri State guys. Got to plug them. Shout out to, shout out to Jake Berger. He's, he's up on the taxi squad now up there for Good. the White Sox. Yeah, you know, Jake's gone through some adversity since leaving here in Missouri State, battling through some injuries and came in. He's been working his ass off, and then he gets in this car shield league, finally gets to see live pitching after however long, and then dude rakes because he's a dog. And now he's he's up there, and he's in Chicago waiting to get his name called to go to the big leagues. And For real? That's what it's about, man. Yeah, this league, man, I'm telling you, there are some dudes in it. Had, had guys from every conference in college baseball. I'm talking <laughs> SEC, ACC. Any, I mean, a couple of kids playing the College World Series the year before. I mean, I mean, it was a well-represented league. Got thrown together really fast, but those guys that were running it, they they put their head down. And they wanted to get it done because they knew we wanted to play, and baseball really needed to happen this summer. And did you guys have any Corona scares? No, we didn't actually. The that's the, crazy. The protocols there in the Car Shield League, everything was super professional. Um, you go in day one, you got to 
felt like a 30 page packet you got to fill out medical history covid stuff covid test in there temperature checks all day masks up everywhere except the field uh trainers were on you if you're in the dugout in between innings you're not wearing your mask you got two warnings third time you're out you got to leave for the day i mean everybody they were super on it uh i mean i can't stress enough how how professional the staff in the car shield league really was and on top of that youtube tv broadcasted every game had two guys I mean, updating their Twitter throughout the game, posting highlights. Those guys really did it. They did it the right way, and they threw it together in two weeks. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say it, that the Carshield League was probably more competitive than the Northwoods this year. The Northwoods – great segue because I thought to bring that up. I know that the Northwoods with the pods was a totally different playing field than it was because you had – 40 teams, I think, across five pods. And I was supposed to go to Fond du Lac again this year, play for the Dock Spiders. Um, was told not to play just because I wasn't ready. And then I go, I look at all the people I know that's playing, and I'm like, okay, well, this league is competitive, but it's not that competitive. And then I there's COVID scares up in the UP or in the Traverse City pod because, you know, Hoff was there. Yeah. He was there. The team that they were playing against, the Rafters, their whole team got COVID. They were yeah. shut. Down. They were shut down for like two weeks, and no one. The thing is, no one noticed. It was a total blink of an eye. They're like, "Oh, we're playing again." Yeah, they uh, they kicked those dudes out, brought in a whole new squad. They had, I know, the night before, everybody tested positive that they felt sick. They had seven pitchers playing the infield, or seven pitchers playing in the field. You know, that sounds pretty athletic to me. Yeah, I was there. They said there was this like six three, like two hundred and thirty pound kid playing second base against college players. You know, you love to see it though. It's good for the brand, as Pat McAfee would say. Oh, speaking of summer ball, man, you go back to the question you asked about how did COVID affect baseball? Supposed to have a temp contract in the Cape this year, and that got banged. So you look at it and you're like, oh, that adds just another another thing that got taken away. Yeah. Oh. My best friend plays actually plays here at Missouri State, Hayden Yanger. He had he had signed he had a full season contract in the Cape. He was super excited at that, try to get his draft stock up, and then old mother COVID comes in and this it's one of the greatest this was supposed to be one of the greatest years of my life. I was waiting for twenty twenty for like the last three years. I was like, oh twenty twenty twenty. Here's the thing, man. It's here ever. You know, sometimes it's, I mean, it's going to be like this the rest of our lives. Not saying the COVID stuff, but I think this whole quarantine and COVID has really brought out a lot of character in a lot of people. And it's it's really shown how people deal with adversity if they're just going to lay down or if they're, they were going to get after it. And I think definitely this spring, you're going to be able to see the guys that actually grinded and worked their asses off over quarantine and took that extra time to get better. I think this spring, college baseball overall, because I think there was a lot of dudes that put in the fucking work. I'm, I think college baseball this year, and for a long time, is going to be very good. And especially at your mid-major level. Like, these mid-majors are going to be getting kids they never thought they would be able to get because some of these rosters are so full from classes and kids committed. And I, I don't know, one thing that scared me the most, not really me personally, but like, 
just as a baseball guy in general is some of these seniors in high school come into these four-year programs and they've got 50, 60 kids because they're, hey, we're going to bring back our seniors because we can. You know, the NCAA is, it's not going to be the same for a long time, but baseball is going to be better because of it though, I feel like. Yeah, my biggest thing with the, when you say, you know, baseball is going to be better, I look at, yeah, the seniors are coming back, those new freshmen are coming in, but the five, I go back to the five round draft. You had people who were supposed to be taken. You had high schoolers that were supposed to be taken. Like the, some of the best high schoolers, some of the best college players, and they're, they're not there. You know, Let's think, not there. Think, of it, think of it like this. So were you a 2017 or a 2018 grad? 18. So yeah, same with me. So think of say this think about this happening in 2018, right? And for some crazy reason, like the draft gets messed up. Let's say example Vanderbilt. Obviously Kumar Rocker goes there. What if you got like a guy like Ethan Hankins says, "Hey, I'm just gonna go to school." Now he's at Vanderbilt. So you gotta think of- <laughs> and Jack Leiter. And Jack. Leiter. And Jack Leiter. Okay, but now you gotta think. Okay, I don't know. They. I'm not too. I don't know the, those guys' names in this 2020 class, but like you got to think, who are those guys that are now going into these programs that are like, man, we didn't think they were going to be here, but now they are. It's, I mean, it's something crazy like that. And here's an example, another Vanderbilt thing. Kid from St. Louis is supposed to be a 2021 grad, reclassifies, graduates early to the <laughs> 2020 class. He's going into Vanderbilt this year, and he's, and he's probably going to be a weekend guy as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and that's what Blaze Jordan did, too. Blaze Jordan reclassed so he could get drafted this year, and thankfully he did because him trying to play as a freshman at Mississippi State this year would have been pretty tough. Hot but take. Blaze Jordan will bust. I don't know about – I don't personally know the kid, man. Uh, looking at it from my eyes, I think that there's a possibility. He's got great pop, but fourth round the Red Sox, right? I, yeah, I think he's I think he's right now. I mean, he's young, I get it, but I feel like he's an all or nothing one pitch guy. He's an okay defender, but how about the biggest surprise of the draft when I popped up my phone? I saw the boy Addison Coffee. Third time the White Sox. And I'm I'm calling Noah and I'm calling Chris and I go, What? I said, What happened? Like he's going to Louisville. And he took 50k, 75k, and I'm like, you know what, man, go get your bag, dude. He throws pass. He's gonna ball out. Like, so that's the thing. Like this year, like that's what normally some JUCO kids would take is 75k. So well, people are like, oh, it's crazy. No, no, no. He took 20k in the second round. It was 20k. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. That's crazy, right? I check you. I'm going to fact check you right now because I just don't think that's true. Look it up, man. It's yeah. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. It was just to the point where I thought baseball was going to be really eh for a long time. I thought that the seniors weren't going to get their year back because we have one of the best seniors in the country, Ty Johnson. And we have it back for like a sixth year. And the kid is unreal. So getting him back, like that's that's what helps us. 50K. There we go. It was reduced though. I don't know why. 
Yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know. And going back on the draft this year, like, thinking about even, like, even if it's a 20-round draft, just think about, like, how many good kids that should be playing professional baseball the next year are back in college baseball. We have a, dra- we have a draft-eligible freshman. Really? Yeah, Ethan Groff is a draft-eligible freshman. He has a red shirt, tried to play last year. And then got a COVID. Yeah. Third year. Yeah. Third year freshman. Like, I think we have a couple of redshirt freshmen, like, draft eligible guys. So that's where it's like, you look at the draft this year, 20 rounds. Ethan Groff's an animal. Ethan Groff, as a freshman, is gonna, might get picked over a junior, but now that junior has to go back to school again. So then it's just, it's a it's- ginormous cluster. It's I don't, it's just crazy to think about. It's like, like for me, like I'm a like you like we said earlier, I'm a COVID sophomore, right? Are you a third year or a fourth year though? I'm a third year. You're a third year, okay. You graduated in two then, so yes. you almost went back to John A too. I did almost go back to John A and that would have been tight, no no doubt though. No John A, they're gonna be. I'm I'm not afraid to say it. Right now, John A. Logan is your 2021 20, national championships. National I don't know that. I'm telling you, dude. I think that Soup is going to, you know, try and really, really win a lot. I, I think he wants it really bad. So dude, they're going to see the tight ball throwing the same guys. I've never, I've never had a coach like Coach Kyle Supernaut. And I mean, the dude, the dude's legit, man. He's he a knows, community college alum. He is. Yep. He also a former coach there, too. He actually was. Coached on their World Series team. I don't think he did. No. It was his uh, first year as a uh, volunteer assistant. He was a volunteer during that? Yep. I don't know. I don't think – I don't know, actually. I wasn't there. But well, – uh, I've heard him – because I'd heard him say that in a couple stories. So, it's crazy to think about that in JUCO, totally random, that your coach could be one of the best coaches in the country, and he coached with my coach and played for my coach. Yeah. So you have these lifers. You have JUCO lifers, and then you have new guys just trying to get a gig. And then then it turns out that they play each other every single year, and I don't think, oh, yeah, Coach Post has never beat John A. Logan in his life. Really? Yeah. So I think that's true. I think I think we beat Wabash one time, but anything other we have not beat John A. Logan. So that so this year was supposed to be the year, but you know that's what's crazy. I don't, I don't think it would have been this year. <laughs> Go back to it, man. Hey, I was throwing. Never know. Go back to it. We literally got a call. What was it? Sixteen hours before game time that we were going home. I was like prepped to start. Like, I was, like, eating – I was about to, I just ordered, like, my meal that I was going to eat before the night before and banged. It got banged. And I'm like, oh, we're going to play on Tuesday. Banged. I go to I'm – I'm on the car ride to Florida because I knew we were quarantined for a while. Banged. The whole season. Gone. Just within, like, seven days. Yeah, we had just finished up our first conference series. And, actually, we were – 20 and 0 at the time dropped a dropped a silly game to Lincoln Trail 
it's again that's a it's a one out of ten thing and you know the next day we're just we're seeing some stuff on Twitter and we're just like no way this season's gonna get banged like that's just not there's just no way and then we start seeing some of these Division one programs just forfeiting their seasons we're like no way like maybe this is a thing and then we get called in one day and we're just like we get called to our little our locker room and he's talking he's like hey here, here's what i'm hearing there's nothing for sure he's like i'll call you guys back in a couple hours if i hear anything boom 30 minutes later calls us back we're in the our little auxiliary gym and i'm telling you he walked in so slow i mean you could have heard a pen drop and we just kind of looked at each other and i think in a lot of our guys heads we kind of knew what was about to happen and he's he's going through telling us like that our season's done. Our AD comes in. He's talking about, like, they're going to help us do everything we can for our guys to move on. And, like, that whole that whole time was so quiet, and everybody was just devastated. And, like, you got a guy – I mean, if you look at our team at the time, like like I said, we were 20-1, and one, and at the time we were still number one in the country. Like, everybody's dead set is we want to win a national championship. We want to go to Grand Junction. And then just like in the blink of an eye, it's gone. Like, it's it was just a a surreal, breathtaking moment that it didn't I, even feel real. For I'm, it's just so crazy that our schools are four hours away, and I our our story is totally different. I was the one that let everybody on the team know. I had NJCAA's tweets pinned, like I, I got their notifications. Yeah. Screenshotted it, sent it in my group chat. Our coach doesn't text us till the next day. <laughs> he doesn't text us till the next day. So he's like, hey, guys, um, we're going to meet up sometime to do all this, but you can't be back on campus. So once the season got shut down, I didn't get to see my coach until June-ish, so when I had to return all my stuff. So with yeah. really like, my last day at Kankakee was, like, the day before we left for our trip, I had came back, got all my stuff, None of my roommates were there, and I just went home. It was just so sad. I, I haven't seen any of those guys since. And I, I will give props to the NJCAA for this. Is I feel like they did handle a lot of the COVID stuff better than the NCAA did. I feel like they delayed and really thought out what they were going to do with their decisions. I mean, NCAA, those, those guys, they were banging stuff just immediately. You knew it was going to happen right when college basketball got shut down. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the stuff with March Madness, and I feel like that's some of the stuff that kind of made it kind of real. And they were talking about, okay, maybe we're not going to do fans, and then an hour later they're like, bang, NCAA tournament gone. Well, Michigan State was about to tip off. They were about literally on the court, and they go, hey, we got to go, and they're like, the ball's like in the air, and they're like, hey, game's over. We're banging the tournament. The yeah, term. it's like this whole thing, like thinking about it, it's like here in a few years, there's going to be a movie out and then years down the road, we're going to have our kids watching and they're gonna be like, was this real? Like, did, did this actually happen? It's like, it seems so made up in a sense. Yeah, I think that if you look at the list of all the bad things that have happened and all the people who have passed away during 2020, just like the influencers and everything that was lost and just the economic standpoint, 
it started with Kobe, man. And then as of recently, Chadwick Boseman, and you're like, what on earth is going on? Like, there's this virus, but then it's also so many people are just like, it just, it just doesn't, it's not a good year. Right. And I feel like it, it's most crazy. And it's kind of similar to that, kind of that buildup of that, the movie 2012. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that honestly, like it feels like this, all the stuff that's happened in 2020, it just feels like the world's just about to go. And in, in some cases it has. I mean, considering that you're not allowed, to, you weren't allowed to leave your house for what was it, three months, four months? Yeah. We, I in Michigan, I think it was Michigan had it pretty bad. We didn't get to go outside till like June twelfth. June in Michigan, that's like the only month that's sunny besides right. July in August. Like everything, it's just horrible. So you had people going crazy. I don't know, man. It blows my mind even thinking about it. Like, just like re- trying to recollect everything that happened kind of like makes me really sad. So, and uh, it's like, <laughs> you think about whenever that this all started, and now like it's September 2nd, and we're still dealing with it just a little bit. Yeah, no. I mean, think about it like this if it, by next March, it was March 12th, I believe the day was everything shut down. If by March 12th there's not fans in the stands, that's a whole year, like a whole year that we had to figure this out, and we haven't. Yeah. Look at other countries, and don't get me wrong, like other countries have way less people, way less of a diverse group. It's not a melting pot like the United States, but it's going to be really bad, man. Like if we can't have fans in the stands for baseball, what is Division One baseball going to be? Right. It's going to be JUCO. And I think for, I mean, overall, if you, even some like outside of your bigger, your bigger mid majors and your Power Five schools, how many fans are really there anyway? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen. I'll take a shot at Eastern Michigan University. I've never seen many fans at Eastern Michigan's baseball games, yeah. but because I got a couple of buddies that play there, so I got to shoot a little. You know, kind of get up in their face about it, but that's. I'm not, not going to name names here, but especially for like some of these football teams. Oh, they could they could go out and say 25% capacity, and that's going to be all. That's what they would get maybe <laughs> on a, a good day. You know what I'm saying? I know for us, I think our football protocols right now is that every player gets 10 tickets to give away, so it's like what 800 plus the coaches, so 1300. But one person gets like. Three rows. Why not just watch it on your couch? You know, like you know, like so Missouri State football, they've got one game this fall and they're going to Oklahoma. Yeah, they're gonna go play Oklahoma. So you can make this a little bit of bread. A little bread, a little Yeah. A little, a little above a half a million, you know what I'm saying. I don't think that for us, I mean I hope we play. We're doing a lot, dude. But I know that it's tough, and everybody, all the football guys are like, are you, we're like, are you playing? We're like, we don't know yet. Like, we're trying, and they're practicing every single day, normal, still doing their protocols. So, I mean, we're, I think we'll play as much as we can, but under some certain, under, like, certain circumstances, we might not just, we just might not be able to. I think for us, I think our, ba- I think our baseball season is going to be 
okay, I think we're going to play. Now, the, the question that I still have is, are we going to get to play for these six games? Ooh, my our schedule, I don't know what your schedule looks like. We don't travel that much. The farthest we travel to, I think, is ECU. When last year we'd go to California. I know Grand Canyon's coming to us. But other than that, I don't think that we're traveling that far. So I don't know if you guys are taking like a trip, but we're not taking any trips. Yeah, I haven't seen our schedule yet. I I think it's going to be similar to what the 2018 season was uh, as far as how it flipped. But when, and that's without regarding like, some of the COVID stuff. So I feel I still think some of that's still up in the air from the, the athletic department side. But I... I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be different for sure. Yeah, I think that I think we do get 56 games in. I think the capacity might be a little rough, but we like I said, we have like five more months until March, so we have a really good chance of getting a full. Our our stadium holds like 10,000, man. Like you get we we could have 10,000 against LSU in our midweek in March. Like it's possible. Right. Here's a kind of little tangent, but. It, I still think it's crazy. Major League Draft this year, after the College World Series. I don't know how I feel about it. It's it's going to be definitely it's going to be weird. You know, you. I know this last year they they were going to try to get the draft in Omaha, do it during the World yeah. Series, but now it's come out. Draft's going to be after the World Series in Atlanta, Georgia. I think that man, it's going to be tough to say this, but I think that's like really bullshit. You could have a dude, like, it's good or bad, but say you're a school and you don't make it to Omaha. And there's this kid who blows up in Omaha. You're an 18th round, you know, guy. You're, like, a fringe dude. But, oh, he really performed against this competition. Like, he's buzzing right now. Let's give him a – let's draft him. Instead right. of just produce numbers, like, who throws harder, like, all this, like, who's, like, a better prospect. But the College World Series, man, like, if you look at it, after just doesn't make sense for me. Because it's like that thing where you're really high on someone because what they just did. If you had a walk-off home run against Vanderbilt in the College World Series, dude, that's hype. So you might get drafted, like, when you weren't supposed to. Yeah. And 20 rounds, man, that gets, that's tough for the JUCO kids as well and the high schoolers because that's what, late June – Late June, they're they're done playing. Right, and I still think for your your top high school kids are still going to get drafted where they were going to get drafted. But the fringe guys, you know. Yeah, but it's it's like you said, it's those guys on the outside that it could, they could go either way, and I, it's going to be tough. But and I hate to say, it, but I mean, it's going to something that we're going to we're going to have to adjust to, and eventually it's going to become normal, and nobody's going to really second guess anything. But. Uh, the forty round draft, I it's done. Well, you cut what forty five minor league teams. If you look at it, there were like what five hundred minor leaguers cut this year. Yeah. Just I don't know, it's five. It might be a little less, but a lot of minor leaguers cut. What are you supposed to do? Like guys who've been in the minors for two years, like they got cut. I mean, it's the thing. It's going to come down to is do you, how bad do you want this dream to stay alive? Do you go overseas? Do you try to get an indie ball contract? Like, do you do you tweet a video every day to flat ground 
hoping you throw gas and Rob Friedman's going to put it on his main page? I, mean, I think that it's going to be very possible that the free agent signing and social media is going to make big leaguers soon. 100%. And I actually – I'm looking for his name right now. I tweet, I retweeted it last night. Dude made his debut for the Brewers. Oh, man. And he was, he was a Twitter dude? He was a Twitter dude. Made it – I don't want to get his name wrong. Well, like a segue, bro. I got – I have two friends. One's an indie baller and one's going to be a fifth year. One's 93-95 and another's 92-94. And it's just tough for them to even, like, get a spot right now. Like, they're trying to be – they're trying to get a, a signing bonus, you know, like go and play a little minor league ball. Oh, yeah. safe about it. But I just don't think it happens. It's – I mean, it's nasty. Like, it's just a nasty system we're in right now. I think the bright side of it all, man, is we have three years. You look at it like us. Freshmen have four years. The other freshmen, other guys that lost their season last year have four years. There's going to be a lot more time. And then with time, it pushes back that group where, oh, they're like, I want to get drafted at 20, 21. That's what they want. They want younger prospects. Everybody's just going to be older. And that's just how it's going to be. Everybody's going to be older. The drafts are going to be bigger. So baseball – and minor league baseball is literally going to be the best of the best. Yeah, so the guy I was talking about, his name is Justin Topa. He's a right-handed pitcher. 19 months ago, tweeted out at Pitching Ninja. Dude's bumping mid to upper nines. Dude retweets it, signs with the Brewers. And now, year and a half, <laughs> year and a half later, he's in the show. Like, come on, man. That's, that's a dream right there. Shout out Rob Friedman because... At, at Kankakee, the the schooling and the connections are not like it's John A. The We just don't have the amount of talent. Like, we're scrappy players. So I tweeted a video. I was sitting, like, 90, 92 on a jugs gun, and it, it took off. And, I mean, where I'm at now, I mean, we went to the Puma Classic, and I there was a video up there, and it just blew up. Like that's how it was. It just got I just got lucky, man. Got lucky on Twitter. Like everybody asked me, like, oh, how'd you get there? Like so far away. I'm like, I use this. I use social media. Yeah, it's I and mean, it's a thing that's gonna it's gonna get more relevant. I mean, it's very relevant now, but it's gonna become more common. Like I, I forget this kid's name. He was a first, maybe late first round, second round kid, high school kid reclassified. Started throwing up his rap soto data on Twitter, and now he's a second rounder. Oh, is that Bitsko? Is he a Cali kid? I can't remember. I just he was throwing in like this, this like pole barn looking thing. Had rap soto. Dude just spins yeah, it. Unreal. I think that was Nick Bitsko because he jumped up because he put some rap soto data of him hitting like ninety seven with a twenty five hundred spin. Yeah. And, like, and he like rocketed up. Like he was also he's always gonna be a second rounder. I think he went in the first, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He may have been like a middle of the late first round guy. But that's a guy who two weeks before the draft starts throwing stuff up on Twitter and they're like, damn, who is this kid? This oh, he's made a lot of progression since we saw him last. Yeah, well, and he's a guy that like, oh, we think he's the he's a guy that they thought oh, like scouts are like, oh, man, we got another year to look at this dude. And they're like, bam, holy cow. We want this guy now. Yeah, I think that the reclassifying this year, you're going to be really good to reclassify. So I feel bad for whoever reclassified that's in college now. But – 
it's just the name of the game, dude. Just train it hard all the time. You never know what's going to happen. Throw it up. What are your some of your thoughts on the Major League season this year? I haven't watched Major League Baseball in so long. Like, I was me and my buddy Trevor Minder, who's also a Juco dude at Parkland. I don't know if you know oh, yeah. him. But he's gross. But he, he was like, I was talking to me, he's like, I was like talking about baseball, and I, I don't know that much about Major League Baseball. He goes, I don't even watch baseball. He's like, it just, it just doesn't do anything for me. He, he's a Cardinals fan. He doesn't watch baseball. And I was like, I just keep up on the Tigers and their record. But I know that my saddest thing was like when Clevenger got in trouble yeah. for leaving the hotel. And now he's gone. That's just the thing where even you say like college kids, yeah, they're going to party. Like it's going to be tough for them to buy it for rules. Mike Clevenger like, has a wife and kids, and he went out because he just sitting in a room for 60 days or however long drives someone insane. It does. So those are the protocols, and you watch Trevor Bowers vlogs. Their protocols in the MLB are crazy, crazy. Dude spits yeah. in the tube like when he doesn't spit the tube, he's getting COVID tested. So the MLB is doing a great job, but I, Rob Manfred is just can be a joke sometimes. It is a joke, man. I tweet about it once a day. But and oh, the Joe Kelly thing, and then Trevor Bowers cleats. It was just. You want the players to have a brand. Baseball's the one sport where baseball players don't have a brand to them. Maybe right. Bryce Harper, maybe Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis is getting one. But you can't think of a baseball player and go, oh, yeah, I can see. I saw his commercial. I saw this. When it, In the NBA and NFL, they're like, these, these dudes have, like, teams for personal branding. Their Instagrams and their Snapchats and their Twitters are just so they, – they, they're – publicized you know like taco tuesday lebron that that's a thing oh also hint hinting at this baseball players in college now you watch out for a lot of bang sponsorships once uh the new branding deal comes in because we can make some money now i you know i don't i i I don't think it'll be bang you know because bang is has caffeine in it and caffeine's a banned substance caffeine is a banned sub banned substance up to 600 milligrams so I think that Bang would maybe. I think I, it's got, I'm trying to get sponsored by Bang, man. Like, it's oh, 100%. Bang uses. Like, that's the thing. There's going to be baseball players. Like, think of the biggest name. Kumar Rocker is going to have sponsorships this year. And thank God. Does that start in January? It's right. It could be January. It could be like March, February. I think that right when the calendar year turns, they're going to be like, hey, we're pushing for this right now. So it's, I feel bad for the football dudes that don't get to experience, like, during the season, their hype. But that's, yeah. going to be, that's going to be tight, man. I think it's going to be nice to make some money off your name and your likeness. And this is a good thing for the sport. It's progressive. That's the one thing from 2020 that you can look back and be like, oh, we're going to be able to make some money. Like, thank God. I cannot wait for the day that I can turn on. Because right on my distributor, I've got a thing where – I could turn on incentives where this podcast can make money. And right now they're off because you can't. Yeah, bro. Some of the rules are. I, I remember the Villanova guy or another school like that that was in the NCAA tournament. He couldn't receive gifts until after the NCAA tournament for his wedding. His yeah. wedding. Like, he was getting married and he couldn't receive gifts because of it. So you think yeah. about it like that. And that, that's just like, I've what's got a book. Heck? I've got a book that was set to come out September 16th. 
now that I've got to push back because the NCAA, because I'm going to make money off of it. Well, I can't read or write, so I'm here to play ball. I'm kidding. But, no, that's exactly the thing, dude. Like, looking at it, baseball is going to be so much fun this year. One, because you can make money. Two, because we're all going to be so hungry to play. I haven't pitched a baseball against a live hitter since March 7th. That's the longest I've gone I've gone in my life. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be a competitive atmosphere. And then kind of going back on what you said, like being able to make a little money off your name and your likeness. And I feel like there's still going to be so many, so many guys that are – I'm putting this in quotes for the viewers that can't see the screen here that are so like old-fashioned, like old-school. It's like it just needs to be about the game, but – one, I feel like we do so much for our sports and our schools that we get profited off of so much that I feel like to an extent a lot of the of our our fellow NCAA athletes we're, we're getting taken taken advantage from. Yeah, I get. I mean, I know what you're saying, man. Like, I get clowned for my Twitter a lot by my teammates. Like, my Twitter gets clowned because some of the stuff I tweet, I get clowned or like me trying to get likes. You know, like grow my like. I just want people to know. It's nice for people to know who you are, man. Like, if you want to be, like, influencing, you got to know people. For so sure. You, and I get clowned for it. But I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm just trying to do my part to grow baseball, grow Tulane, all of that stuff. Like, grow me. Because once once I step in the – hopefully one day when I step in the big leagues, man, everybody already knows who I am because of Twitter or social media or Snapchat, like, or me doing this or me doing that, like – I want my name to be known when I step on the field and not, like, after the game. Right. Having chances, and then you look back at it and you say, well, baseball's not always going to be there, but your personal brand's going to be there till you die, and then hopefully if it was good enough, after you die. Like, you want to have an effect on people's lives, and if you're an advocate for stuff, like, you want your legacy to live on as not just a baseball player, but, like, as an influencer of people. Yeah, it's I going off that, and then and I do a lot of I do a lot of stuff with a company named Rampant, and they're a creative content company out of Los Angeles, and we get a lot of clients that are we've got dudes that are in the NFL that we're building their brand, their personal brands. We've got some guys that are in Division One basketball right now that we're gonna that the rest of my team is gonna follow around all year. Uh, one of them's got a he's gonna have a show that's on. Fox Sports, that's going to follow him around. He was the first five-star ever to commit to an HBCU. Oh, yeah. Well, I forget. What's his name? Trace Young. Yeah. He's so a former, He's a former John A. He's a Juco guy. He's the absolute I was gonna ask you. I was going to ask you that, actually. I was going to say, I'm going to start and trying to do, like, cool social media videos. I have no clue where to start. And I saw that you were a part of that company, like, a week ago. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to need some tips. Like, give me a camera, and what should I do? Like, I'm going to ask you to edit my videos. Because I'm trying to get some clout, bro. Yeah, dude. That's, uh, that's nice. You can do something with clout. Creative content at the collegiate level is about to explode. Oh, my gosh. And your, your, your bigger companies, like, Overtime and the couple like, other brands that they're overtime next and they're overtime season. There's a they're about to get a lot of competition and they don't like it. 
and I know like from my experience, I like like you guys know I went to Johnny Logan College. Johnny Logan's got one of the best basketball programs in the country. Got a a potential first round pick who's he was signed to go to Louisville. His name's Jay Scrub. If you've never heard of him, you'll see him in the NBA next year. He's yeah. a late round guy, first early round, second guy. And I covered their I covered him for rampant quite a bit. I helped a couple other companies out and you can see it already with guys like Overtime and some of these other bigger creative content companies and I'm I'm showing up with my my setup and they get a little you know a little little man syndrome because they're not the only guy now. Yeah, I mean, even if you like I feel like a video like if I get put on it'd be help like explorer page. Say I get like a good amount of likes. I could get likes from people back home from other kids like if I'm playing catch in a two-lane shirt with a mask on, my sunglasses with some music and just like good editing. Like good editing, like a nice video goes so far on Instagram and Twitter, like it would blow up. Like a nice caption, dude, like it's so important. Like that's what I'm like, hey, like my goal is to be like even if I suck, man, like make a make a nice little video every uh every outing I have. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of people downplay it, but from a marketing side and being in being in on these these meetings with these higher executives in this company, dude, I'm telling you, TikTok for athletes and like promotions and branding is the number one thing in the game right now. Yeah, pictures are out. Let me say that do Instagram is no longer for pictures. If one, you post pictures on Instagram and you're an athlete Dude, post videos of you playing your sport, videos of you doing whatever you love, whether it's hunting or fishing. Push videos. People watch videos, especially if it's like if it's tight. If it's a well, sick. The video. thing is, like with Instagram, they they're like, oh, everybody loves TikTok now. So what does Instagram do? They come out with Instagram Reels, you know? Yeah. Twitter. Post a video. If you post a video, you're getting you're getting likes. Like no matter what, they're like oh, this kid put in time effort. But if you post a picture on Twitter, it's not going to work. I, my one tweet that blew up was actually nothing. I literally just thought of a good tweet, and that's what happens sometimes. But if you post a video of you pitching with sweet editing, good like video quality, that's, that's going to blow up. You're going to get other kids to follow you. You're going to get just like fans to follow you. And the more followers you have, the more influence you can have on – what you're trying to achieve or like what your message is and like help your program build for sure and kind of getting to a point a closing point here but for you guys listening i i thank you guys for coming back and listening to another episode of the bullpen chatter and keep stay tuned on our twitter page we are going to put out two episodes a week this one is going to come out here soon which i don't that doesn't matter because you guys are listening to it now yeah. But after that, stay tuned on Twitter. We're probably going to do a thing probably Tuesday, Thursday, something like that, Monday, Friday. I think our next guest, our next guest is going to be, has a good story. I haven't even told you about this story yet, but look out for Trent Farquhar, who's now a middle infielder at Michigan State, was a Bowling Green guy. So that whole story, he'll have a great story behind it and good kid overall, one of my personal best friends. So. Be on the lookout for that one, too, following this episode. Yeah, so, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for welcoming Aaron Ball to the show, our new co-host. 
And our next episode, you'll have our next call to the bullpen. Oh, 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 o